Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. I am your host, and I am the 36%. So what does that mean? I'll explain in a minute. But you are listening to episode 48, Scouting for Turkeys in the Fall. As you guys know, alligator season is behind me now. And I know that I promised you all an alligator story this week. I have an alligator story for you, and you'll want to hear it. But there are two issues with the story that I have for you. The first issue is that the story is just too long to make it part of this episode. And the second issue is that the story is not my own story. You see, I am the 36% who did not kill an alligator in the southwest Alabama alligator hunting zone. I was one of 58 tag holders who did not fill his tag. But I have resolved the two issues that I mentioned a minute ago, and I have produced a special alligator hunting edition of the Turkey Hunter podcast for you guys. This episode will post very soon after the episode you're listening to now as Giant Lake Eufaula, Alabama Alligator. So you want to be sure to download that and listen into the story of killing a 13-foot, 6-inch, 920-pound alligator with a knife. Okay, we are 201 days 8 hours, 43 minutes, and 29 seconds away from opening day of turkey season in Alabama. In today's episode, I'm talking about scouting for turkeys in the fall with Steve Hickoff. And before we get into the interview with Steve, I'd like to thank Spider Monkey for taking time to leave a review on iTunes for me. Spider Monkey says, 5 stars, my first turkey. Thanks for all the great turkey information. I'm new to bow hunting, and this podcast helped make the difference this spring with harvesting my first tom. He gives his website address where he shares the story of taking his first turkey. And he says, even though I wanted to get a turkey dog after episode 41, I'll be going dogless this fall. Thanks again for your time, efforts, and great info. Now, the website that he gave me, is becomingabowhunter.com slash spring dash turkey dash season dash three dash recap. So I get this review and I head over to Spider Monkey's website and I see the picture of a beautiful Merriam's turkey, a smiling spider monkey, and an awesome story of someone taking his first turkey. 
Michael, congrats on your first bird. Congrats on taking him with a bow. And congrats on putting forth as much effort as you did to learn everything you could about the sport and the animal that you're hunting. I'm glad to see that your hard work paid off, and I'm glad that this show could be a small part of your success. I wish you a lot of luck this coming fall, and I hope to see more pictures and more stories from you, both on your website and come on over to Facebook to the I Am Turkey Hunting page there and post some pictures there, and don't forget to tag me in your pictures on Twitter as well when you post those. I would love to see them. Spider Monkey, you are entered in the drawing for a Turkey Hunter Podcast t-shirt that I'll be drawing at the end of this month, which is just a few days away. So if any of you guys listening to this episode have not left a review for the show, please go on to iTunes or go over to Stitcher Radio and leave a five-star rating and a review, and you will be entered into the drawing for a Turkey Hunter Podcast t-shirt. And this will be the last month that we do this. I'll probably start some sort of a Twitter contest after this. So get out there, leave your review, and get your name in the hat for the t-shirt. A few weeks ago, I promised you guys several episodes on fall turkey hunting, and today I'm coming through on that promise once again. So today's episode is all about how to find turkeys during the fall. And the fall hunting is a lot different than spring hunting. If you go into the woods in the spring without doing your scouting, walk in before daylight to the edge of the woods, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be able to locate a turkey even though you haven't gotten out and done your scouting you're gonna be able to hear turkey gobble from three quarters of a mile away, assuming they're gobbling that day. That doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna kill one, and you may need to do some scouting in order to actually squeeze the trigger on your gun or on your release or your bow. But that's spring, and we're talking about fall, and fall is different. So scouting is very important for the fall, and Steve is gonna share a lot of great scouting information with us on today's episode, and You guys know that I've had Steve on the show before. If you've been a long-time listener, you've heard Steve. Steve is an outdoor writer and a photographer. He's also written a couple of books that I highly recommend you check out. Steve is a contributor to Turkey Country by the NWTF, and Steve is also the turkey hunting editor for Realtree.com. He's very knowledgeable about turkey hunting. He's very knowledgeable about fall turkey hunting which he is absolutely crazy about. Before I get you into the interview, I want to just tell you and warn you that the audio on this interview is bad. It's the worst audio that I've ever had in any of the episodes that I've done. I had a lot of technical difficulties when I was recording the interview with Steve, and I had to record it through a different service than I normally use and the audio is poor and by poor i mean it sounds like i am talking into a plastic cup with a static white noise machine playing at the same time and we also had issues with the audio cutting in and out during the interview i have edited this as well as i can without losing any of the great content that steve shared and that is the reason why i'm even playing the show is because the content is really, really good. And I want to share that with you guys. So without further ado, here's Steve. I hope you guys enjoy the interview, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am very excited this afternoon to have on the line with me Steve Hickoff, who is the editor for Realtree.com, turkey hunting editor, and a wildlife photographer. 
and an author as well. And Steve is one of the few people I know that turkey hunts more than I do because he hunts about eight months out of the year, if not longer than that. And he is just all over the place. He hunts a lot in the fall and a lot in the spring. And the guy travels everywhere to hunt, and he is just a turkey hunting fool. And so anytime I have questions about fall turkey hunting, I know I can pick up the phone and call Steve, and he's got answers for me. And so today, I've got questions about fall turkey hunting, but it's about how we're going to find those turkeys this fall. And it's really hard to kill turkeys if you can't find them. So, Steve, how are you today, and where are you? I'm doing good, Andy. I'm up in uh, southern Maine right now where some of the hardwoods have already started to change colors, if you can believe that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we had a cold front come through, so let's turn our cold front here. This morning, it was 59 degrees for the low, and the high today is about 86 or 87 degrees. That's a heck of a cold front for us in August. That's quite a range there. Yeah. We're still, shoot, probably solid month away from seeing any change at all in leaves and then you know another 15 to 30 days before they even start to think about dropping so but you what's the temperature like where you are today it's fairly close to that it'll drop down into probably the low 60s tonight okay yeah it's pretty steady but not quite as warm as you guys i guess yeah well the killer part down here is the humidity but we it's like a nice fall day outside. The humidity is very low, so we're enjoying this before <laughs> it comes back for one more little. It looks like you might get some rain, rain too, depending on the track of that storm coming your way. That's true. That's true. We have yeah. that to contend with as well. So, yeah, I think it's a common saying all over the country and probably all over the world too. But if you don't like the weather, stick around for a day; it'll change. That's right. That's right. But tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. I know we've had you on the show before, and I've asked you that question before, but for those people who haven't heard you on the show, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this addiction. Yeah, I grew up in uh, north-central Pennsylvania, where uh, the fall turkey seasons are just as taken just as seriously, I suppose, as, as spring turkey seasons are around the country. So I grew up as a fall and a spring turkey hunter in north-central Pennsylvania and continue to return there every year, both in the spring and the fall in addition to hunting uh, a number of other states. So I started, you know, as a teenager, and this was before the restoration effort uh, that we've wow. enjoyed since probably the late 80s uh, through the 90s until now. So at the time, as a fall turkey hunter and a spring turkey hunter, if you found birds, you were onto something. And yeah. if you got a shot, that was definitely something even more because, uh, you know, we would travel those ridges and see turkey sign, but not necessarily find birds. And uh, when I first started fall turkey hunting, um, how they could suddenly appear in front of you, uh, such a big group of turkeys without hearing them make a sound on the approach. Um, and I'd, I'd say that that sealed the deal early on uh, as a turkey hunter. But I also, you know, as a kid, I hunted them in the spring too and still do. Yeah. Is your favorite time to turkey hunt in the fall? Is that when you're just more rabid about it. You know, I take the seasons as they come. I truly do enjoy the fall. And I was fortunate to do it as a as a teenager. Distinction that you often see uh, these days, you know, you, you often hear that, that uh, 
statement that uh, people hunted in the winters in the fall. Well, I grew up in a culture where you know, spring was just as equal to spring, so I would attribute those beginnings to uh, sort of the way I am now. I watch them year round, and, and as you mentioned in the introduction, I you know I'll start out here in Maine and then move progressively west, hunting uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, and Pennsylvania as some of the deer seasons open, the deer firearm seasons open here, I'll start to move west and, and hunt some other states where some of those gun hunts aren't open yet. And uh, that seems to work out well for everybody in the woods, you know. Yes, that's a big deal around here. And one of the reasons why I think fall turkey hunting has really fallen off in the state of Alabama is that it's at the same time during deer season. And, you know, we only have a few counties that'll, that even... <laughs> It's even legal to hunt fall turkeys in. And I think so, just six now, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Six, yeah. And, you know, that's, you're absolutely fighting with deer hunters. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the states, not necessarily Alabama, which has a rich turkey hunting tradition, as you know, states like Georgia, for instance, will tell you that they are managing spring turkey hunting without apology. And that's, you know, that's absolutely fine, in my opinion. I do feel that there's room for fall turkey seasons in in all the states, all 49 states that do have birds. But, you know, that's based on a lot of hunter interest and and tradition and whatnot. Uh, The Carolinas, as you know, don't have fall turkey seasons and some others. But uh, here in the Northeast and, you know, the Midwest and even out West, it's a rich tradition of fall turkey hunting, particularly in the Virginias and and the uh, Northeastern states, you know, and always has been. Right. Yeah, a lot of that going on in Virginia yep. and New York and Pennsylvania, you know, just like you said. Absolutely, yeah. Well, hey, I've been doing a rapid-fire Q&A with my guests here lately, and what I've got is 30 questions that I'd like to run through and ask <clears throat> you. They're pretty short. Sounds good. They're about turkeys and turkey hunting, and what I'll do is put a timer up and time us as we go through and see how quick we can go through them. The current is is for the Wayne Fears, and it was just over three minutes. I want to say it was 3.01 or 3.02. I'll give you the exact time. No kidding. But if you want to do this, we'll rock and roll with this thing. Yeah, let's go. All right. Let me pull the timer up here on my phone, which will be a trick because I'm talking on it at the same time. So let me pull that up, and then as soon as I hit go on the timer, I'll start with the first question, and we'll run through these. Hang on, just good. Let me pull that timer up. Okay. Here we go. How many full-body turkey mounts do you own? Uh, I have one on the way, uh, an oscillated turkey that I killed down in the Yucatan last March. Cool. How many turkeys did you kill last year? <laughs> Uh, when I answer that question, I, I refuse to give a number because I kill my birds and sometimes I don't kill my birds, but I'm fortunate to take a lot of people out who kill birds, and uh, to me it's the same. Gotcha. Diaphragm, bot, pot and peg, or wing bone? Uh, pot and peg. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? <laughs> fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? Uh, none of the above. All right. Number of grand slams? Uh, multiple. Uh, I have no idea. Make of your, sh- uh, your turkey shotgun. Beg your pardon? The make of your turkey shotgun. Ah, anything from 870 to a Versamax. That's a trick right. question. <laughs> make of your favorite turkey shotgun shell? Ah, anything that's in my pocket. <laughs> I'm sure I know the answer to this one. Ever killed a bearded hen? Uh, yes, yes, but never in the spring. I uh, have called many in, and I've let them walk. I, I have killed a number in the fall. Yeah, ever killed a jake? 
Ah, yes, yes. Okay. Ten-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a (laughs) four-year-old? Yes, please. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Favorite camo pattern? Uh, real trees. Of uh, course. Any model or make, any, any uh, flavor from the late 80s uh, to present. Yeah. Wild, wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Uh, for dinner and the dog, especially if that dog was uh, involved in the fall hunt. There you go. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest. Oh, far more. All right. Yeah. 30 mile per hour winds blowing at home the last day of turkey season. Are you hunting or are you sleeping in? Oh, I am hunting. No doubt about it. All right. State you killed your first turkey in. Uh, Pennsylvania. They killed your last turkey in. Oh, let me think. Uh, that would be last spring. Um, New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Uh, I'm a run and gun guy. There you go. Rios or Osceola's? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got to pick one. There is no yes on that one. Uh Osceola's because they remind me of Eastern. All right. Then Osceola's or Eastern? Eastern. 100%. Eastern Americans. Eastern. All right. Public land out west or private land in the southeast? <laughs> Public land out west because uh, there's more room to move. True. Two and three quarter inch, three inch, or three and a half inch? Uh, three inch. Four, five, six, or blended? Uh, that's a yes, but I lean toward the fives. All right. Field turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods turkeys every time. All right. I know this is going to be a yes. Pump or automatic? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or bead? Uh, Give me bead with a fiber optic option. Okay. Rubber boots or snake boots? Rubber, 18 inches. Okay. You roost a bird this afternoon and it's pouring rain at daylight. Do you hunt? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm there waiting, especially for that break in the weather. Yes. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Every one of them. Every one of them. All right. Four minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah, that's, and that's being evasive. Yes. You could have just <laughs> given a yes to all of them as we went through, and you would have, you would have filled Wayne's I realize, record time. I realize the, object, the objects of questions are to imply answers, however. <laughs> I called. even wanted to say yes to all the turkey calls, too, because though I am a pot and pig man, I love wing bones and mouth diaphragms and boxes and everything else. Right. Include my voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, whenever, whatever works, when it has to work. That's right. And yeah. I, I'm the I guy think, carrying, I'm the guy carrying 20 pounds in my vest. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. My vest is like it has a bunch of lead weights in it. That's right. Yeah. That's what all those pockets are for, right? Yeah. I've got a friend yeah. who has turkey vest and has other than about three shotgun shells, nothing in it. <laughs> He carries one or two diaphragm calls with him, and that's it. No kidding. And I said, Brian. I met that guy. Yeah. I, I don't I admire you because you travel light, but I will never be you. I don't know that I really care to be. Oh, I know it. I know it. But, yeah, that's. I'm going to take everything because it's going to be that last call I pull out of my vest that's going to work. I know it. I have yeah. confidence in that last call. Yeah. I also yeah. have confidence in the first one and the 23rd one and the All about confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's talk. Plus, like a lot of guys, and I think you're probably this way, I like to make like a, a flock no matter uh, the season, whether it's fall or spring. I like to run a bunch of calls, mouth diaphragm and pot and peg, same time. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. 
if you can give that gobbler the impression that there's at least two hens over there, two is yeah. always better than one. Sure. And even throwing a gobbler. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. That is one of my favorite calls out of yep. all of them because what I have found with running a gobble call is you're either going to kill or run him off. And those young birds will, unless they got a couple of buddies with them, if you got a young bird solo and you gobble at him, most of the time you're going to run him off. He's not a dominant bird. He's gotten his butt kicked too many times, and he knows that he's beat. But if he's a dominant bird or one of the big boys on the block, he will come in mad, and I love it. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm getting fired up just talking to you now, so you <laughs> not be able to sleep tonight. I've got a long way before spring season kicks in here, so I got a long time to wait. That's the beauty of road tripping, man. Yes, indeed. You're right. You're right. I need to try out some of that fall hunting in another state, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Maybe take JT up on that trip to Virginia and see what turkey dogging's all about. That would be the place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk some fall turkey hunting, and more specifically, yeah. let's talk scouting for them. So when you go out to scout for turkeys in the fall, and I'm repeating myself here, but I don't fall turkey hunt. I can only imagine that you're going to be looking for a lot of the same things that you're going to be looking for in the spring. But what are some of those things to look for in the fall that will tell us where turkeys are and what areas they're using? Yeah, that's definitely true that you're looking for the same things in the fall as you are in the spring. And and those, you know, that sign that you're looking for involves tracks left in loose soil or muddy areas where those flocks are roaming. On a regular basis, you're going to find dusting bowls, scratched up bowls on the forest floor where they're either dusting or scratching for food. Now, the, the scratchings, of course, is where they've raked leaves while feeding to expose other insects, other invertebrates, hard masts, acorns that have fallen, beech nuts, and whatnot. But you're also going to find um, dusting areas, which may or may not be near scratchings, uh, where they're rolling in the loose soil, belly down, and shaking themselves um, in the dirt. And those shallow depressions are, you know, areas that fall flocks use on a regular basis. You can almost time them. Often I've seen it in the late morning when they're going to loaf, uh, and you'll, you'll find in those dusting areas, which may or may not be near scratchings, you'll find other time like uh, tracks or, or droppings or laps and rolling feathers. Now, what you do know that notice in the late summer and in the fall, a lot more of the the young birds are growing and, and uh, the feathers along with them, and you'll find a lot of molded feathers to show where the turkeys have been. Uh, so those those feathers might be under roosting trees or with, if you do find them with excessive droppings underneath branches and likely trees, that's probably a roost. So you can sort of piece it together that way. And I would say you see far more feathers on the ground in the fall because of that molding than you would in the spring. So that's, that's, those are five things that you can look for. Yeah. The feathers, I never really thought about that because, yeah, the birds are molting. So, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. likely to see a lot more feathers. I never, that never crossed my mind. <clears throat> yeah, the hens, the hens do it, you know, sort of during the summer, after nesting, after that brood is hatched. Some of the gobblers, of course, in the summer, as you know, will sort of just go undercover. I've found them in the woods out scouting, and, uh, you know, they're – they're in a situation where they're molting and uh, their feathers are changing a little bit. This can involve jakes turning into um, what we'd call a super jake, an 18-month-old turkey. You know, there's some molting going on. But uh, that's that's really what we, we look for a lot, are uh, molded feathers, along with all the other um, elements. Sure. Yeah. And the fresher, the better. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So pay attention when you're out scouting to the rain, how recently it's rained and yep. when you're there looking at tracks and sign and dust bowls and feathers yep. and all that stuff. So yeah, you're right. That's a, that is key. So as far as maybe some preferred food sources in yep. the late fall and early winter months that just knowing our hunting properties and being able to look at a map and say, okay, well, here's yep. an oak flat and I know that turkeys in the fall are going to be eating mast and should be in there eating acorns. What are yeah. some, some of those food sources that maybe come to mind for us to look for on a map or in a particular area so that we can kind of pinpoint where the turkeys may be before we ever step? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, some of the early seasons around the country begin, there are some, believe it or not, that begin in uh, August. But others might begin as early as September, and uh, those are usually running concurrent to deer archery seasons. So in states like New Hampshire, uh, the season opens September 15th, but places like Kentucky, it opens even earlier, where you can hunt turkeys and deer at the same time. So if you're looking for turkeys early in the season, as you might imagine, late summer, early fall, uh, the favorite foods around the country this time of year before that hard mass starts to fall includes bugs, uh, green food plots, chufa patches down your way, uh, grains like milo and corn. But then, you know, the heart of a lot of the northeastern turkey hunting in the fall is in October. So you have a transition there where the bugs are still around and flocks are hitting field edges and trying to eat those insects, which are full of protein, especially those young birds. You know, they need to eat and grow fast. So they're they're usually hitting those hoppers on the field edges. But, you know, they'll spend a lot of time in the woods as the season progresses looking for fallen acorns, beech nuts, other hard mast. As a fall turkey hunter, we've been amazed over the years to check out the crop and see what was actually inside. One occasion that comes to mind was a hunt in New York State where we just could not locate the food source one October. And uh, a buddy of mine ended up killing a bird. We opened up the crop, and it was full of uh, salamanders. It was a baseball-sized wad of salamanders that we had seen on the forest floor in the uh, wet spots, but had no idea that that was a food source for this particular group of turkeys on that day. You know, and they're so omnivorous, they'll eat just about anything. But on that occasion, it was a big old wad of, about a baseball-sized wad of salamanders, which you don't hear too much, but it's true. (laughs) They don't Um, look very tasty when you just look at them. No, no. But you got to think like a turkey, I guess. True. Um, so that was fascinating seeing that. You know, I, I guess I've always been of the belief here in the Northeast that uh, they may not target those acorns that have fallen in the woods uh, until later on, um, because if you go out in the winter after the season in some locations, just scouting around, poking around, thinking about spring, you'll find a lot of scratchings where they've been obviously hitting acorns. So I think I've always thought of it as a resource that they sort of hit when they need it in the winter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, up here they're they're uh, picking crop fields and flipping, you know, cow patties to, to pick at the grain and, and find insects there uh, as yeah. well, especially in agricultural areas and so forth. But I've, over the years, it's funny, you hear acorns as a primary food source, but I've opened up probably every crop of uh, every turkey I've ever killed, and I've found precious few acorns in them in the fall and even the early winter seasons. Yeah. So I don't great. know. Yeah. You read it a lot, though, that they prefer acorns, but. I guess in my experience, I haven't seen that. I've I've seen more bugs and a range of other foods in their crops, you know, than acorns. Yeah. So. Well, I know in the northern part of the country, it's not unusual to be turkey hunting with snow on the ground. 
Right. How yeah. is that snowfall going to affect turkey <clears throat> patterns or even their preferred food sources? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you're patterning birds, especially if it's windy, they're going to try to find calmer draws, you know, in the woods, sort of off a ridge, but down in a, in a valley or a hollow where they're, they're going to be out of the wind. The food sources do shift a little bit, but um, with snowfall. Uh, but again, they're so omnivorous. I've seen I've seen fall and winter turkeys up in sumac trees, you know, eating that way, eating soft mass that's still around. You know, they find a way. And then eventually here in the northeast, they will gravitate to farms, in particular dairy farms, where uh, you know there's some there's some uh, manure being spread and there's waste corn in that in that spreading. Uh, that they that they target as well as insects, you know. So here in the Northeast, the dairy farm has been uh, sort of a resource for turkeys in the winter. But they will increasingly, I, I see it more and more. And you'll see turkeys, human habituated turkeys, in backyard situations where they're you know staying in a very small area. And of course, those birds are off limits. But they they're sort of like Canada geese. They found a way to make a living without being in a in a bigger area. Uh, they're still wild, but they're they're human habituated. And, we see that quite a bit in the Northeast. They may be targeting uh, bird feeders, you know, with the they might be out there with the chickadees in the winter. But then around the time spring comes, uh, they'll they'll start to leave and they'll they'll break off and and you know start doing the dispersal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I would imagine the depth of the snow has a lot to do with what they're <clears throat> trying to eat and, and maybe it does. Yeah, if it's a dry snow or a wet snow, that type of thing as well. Yeah, especially in mobility. You know, if we have a deep snow without a crust, they can't really walk very well on it. And um, so there's there's trouble where that's concerned. They need a hard crust that they can they can travel and get to food sources and so on. Uh, all the predation is, uh, from the studies I read and what I've seen, is fairly high during that time of the year. If an owl catches a turkey in the snow and the turkey can't elevate, you know, turkeys you'll find, and I've this with biologists, where owls will turkey and just take its head they'll just eat its head and turkeys are killed that way in the winter but again they gravitate to dairy farms and backyards and they, they find a way i'm always amazed even after that recent winter that we had we we still have a lot of birds i thought it would just be um, a real challenge for them but they found a way yeah they're tough are you guys having the population issues like they're having in new york currently we are not in fact it's, that's an interesting situation. You know, northeastern Pennsylvania, where I hunt turkeys and where I was born and raised, as well as New York State, numbers have leveled off and dropped from, uh, you know, probably since the year 2000, 2001 or so. Originally, they estimated them at, you know, 250,000, 240,000 birds, and they're now down to estimates of 180,000. But here in Maine, the seasons continue to expand. In fact, our fall turkey season runs from October 1st through October 30th, and there's a proposal for 2016 to include the month of October, but also dates in November. And we have a two-bird limit, and things things are good up here, including New Hampshire as well, which is just across the border. So yeah. it's hard to say why that's happening in New York State and Pennsylvania, but some biologists often talk about contraction, you know, where turkeys will, turkey populations will grow in a certain area and then that habitat can only sustain so many birds and then there's what they call a contraction and then those birds drop back to a lesser number of turkeys. But there are also 
bigger challenges out there, you know, from disease to yeah. any number of things. It might not be hunting related. It's more habitat related. And here in the Northeast, it has to do with land use. Over the last 20 years, it's changed quite a bit. And some of our dairy farms in the, in the New England region are on the decline. There aren't as many, certainly, as there were 25 years ago or so. Yeah. Are so, some of those farms getting busted up and subdivided into smaller parcels? Yeah, there's yeah the land use subdivisions and uh, farmers I've talked to want to maintain the the family tradition unfortunately and um, you know they move on and they do something else and then those farms are sold and, and so on but yeah it's it's definitely changed here in the Northeast since the last 25 years but turkeys are also thriving in areas we never expected them to as well. Yeah. I, I think you know they're a remarkable bird, very tough and resilient and what we think about them might be outdone by the bird by the bird you know the bird's gonna have the last say so absolutely yeah i think they might still be around when we're gone so yeah no doubt no doubt and again you know down down your way i think it's a matter of public and management perception in relation to fall turkey hunting it's just a perception and uh you know which may or may not be substantiated by the numbers you know usually you know, some states will, will be open to both seasons, but others, based on the populations, will just manage in terms of, of uh, the spring. But fortunate here here in Maine, it's going in the positive direction, at least for fall turkey hunters. Yeah, that's good news. Yeah, very good. Well, and we have touched on this a little bit, but we know that a turkey's range changes throughout the year, that late spring, a hen is looking for nesting habitat and that a gobbler is going to follow or be close by in that area. Yeah. We know yeah. early summer and throughout the summer, a hen's going to be in good brood-rearing habitat, so likely open fields, fallow fields where there's a lot of insects, that type of thing, so those poults can't get yeah. the protein that they need. Tell us a little bit about what you see as far as the turkeys range in the fall and early winter months. Are there areas that they tend to gravitate to? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, especially when you start, for a lot of us, I think we watch birds all summer in anticipation of what's going to come in the fall and thinking about the spring. So watching those birds, those hens with broods are usually located where, you know, gobblers in the spring. And as you said, those gobblers are following those hens to that uh, brood rearing location, that nesting location. So the flocks as a result are, are located there, but they also expand to a range that, that might include, I don't know, uh, I've sort of tracked a lot of birds over the years. It might be a thousand acres. For instance, if there's if there's uh, wooded cover and some ridges or some hills, as well as, you know, farmland that's attached to another farm in an open space, they might, they might move from location to location throughout that period of time. You might see them in one location and then find them somewhere else another time. Yet, contrary to that, when you're hunting some birds, there's one group locally here that uh, was cert- certainly around in late spring season, but uh, they're still there here in late summer. So they stayed on the same farm, which is about 500 acres or so. So I just I think it depends on the birds and, and pressure and so forth. But they, they do stay, stay in some of the same areas. Now, over in Vermont, where there's, there's a lot of ridges in the Green Mountains in particular, those flocks, you know, I've hunted them over there and found fresh sign, but found no sign of the turkeys. And they are just moving on those ridges, probably using different roosts um, on their way. In other words, those, those ridges in those mountains are so big and expansive that they don't stay put. They seem to move around 
And if the food sources are spread widely, and this would include, you know, beech nuts, soft mass, acorns, insects, whatever, it may be hard to find those birds because they'll just keep moving. But if right. it's more concentrated, you'll be able to find them more readily. I think they just they just keep moving, and uh, they can rely on the fact that there's going to be a lot of food where they go, especially in those big areas like Vermont, yeah. which is one of my favorite places to hunt because it's you know it's much like northern uh, north central Pennsylvania, lots of mountains, lots of ridges, lots of valleys. Okay. Fun to hunt. Yeah, that's interesting, and you're right. If there's food everywhere, there's nothing to keep a turkey in a specific area. They're going to wander. Yeah, and that's that's probably the greatest challenge. And you'll hear from some people who don't fall turkey hunt, and they'll say that fall turkey hunting is easy. Well, it's not easy because the walking and a lot of walking is always involved or often involved, and trying to find those birds is one of the great challenges. Now, once you find them, once you scatter the birds, once you call them back, once you've located them, it might be a little bit easier. But it's uh, I've found that people who were hardcore spring turkey hunters and taking them out in the fall, they are shocked at any number of things, how how much the birds actually do talk, how difficult they are to hunt, how much walking is involved. And, uh, you know, but this is not to say that they aren't converted because I believe they are. They enjoy it quite a lot. It sort of uh, it alters their perception of what it what they thought it was. Yeah. And that's always a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. Well, do you tend to scout more as the season gets closer to opening than you are? How do you handle your scouting? I mean, are you out you know, every other weekend or once a month, or how are you doing your scouting? I, I find the birds so compelling that I'm out there driving roads just to see them. Yeah. But I'm also out there walking and checking sign and trying to get a, a feeling of what's in a particular area I might hunt. And as far as I'm concerned, that, that scouting and, and looking for sign and, and listening for birds, you know, it's just as enjoyable as the actual hunt. In fact, it's just a continuum once you do go out with a gun. So some locations I'll just go in cold because I know that they've held turkeys based on the habitat for the last 20 or 25 years. And you can rely on the fact that there might be turkeys in there. So you can you can actually not scout. You can scout as you hunt. But part of the compulsion, as you know, is to get out there and to see what's going on. So I would say there's no, you know, I have no real method other than sort of being out there a lot, driving roads, looking for turkeys, you know, rubbernecking, looking looking at fields. And uh, But I do, I do know one thing, you know, June and July when you're out there scouting, you really need to be on foot to find turkeys because some of our birds here in the northeast, some of the late hatches that are coming off now, I'm getting reports from guys. I had a report last week that said they're no bigger than pigeons which means that they weren't hatched until probably late July, I'm thinking, which is not atypical, you know, because some of those young hens will breed after the more dominant birds, and the gobblers will, you know, seek them out in the late spring. So those birds are going to be small, and some of the hens might even still be nested into early summer up here. But then around August, they, they get pretty mobile, and you'll start to see, you know, grouse-sized turkeys or turkeys that were hatched early that are pretty close to the size of the hen. By September, some of those fall jakes will be the size of the brood hen and the uh, the younger hens. You can tell the difference if they're standing side by side. Mm-hmm. So to answer the question, I guess I'm always thinking about them and, and watching for them either on foot or driving places, you know, in my truck, just looking and watching the birds. And I hunt cold without scouting, and I hunt birds that I've scouted quite a while you know, watch quite a while. But it's trickier. That That's probably true for some of the home locations. Now, if I'm traveling to places like Vermont, I'm going to go to a place where the habitat has 
held birds before and I'm going to sort of begin piecing it together based on the hunt because a lot of this road tripping, you know, I'm doing one day turnarounds uh, where I'm driving three, three and a half hours to hunt a ridge and then driving back or I'm driving, you know, eight, ten hours to New York State, Pennsylvania. Uh, places I hunt and then piecing it together based on buddies who may have seen birds or just doing it cold, you know, so it depends on time limits, I guess, too. Right. And those cold hunts like that, most of the time are you hunting areas that you've hunted in the past and pretty familiar with? And Yeah, I, you know, killing a bird isn't always the priority to me. I want to have a I want to have a hunt, and sometimes I will I will hunt an area cold just to get that pleasure of piecing it together, as I'm sure you do. I do. Yeah. Um, and other times, if I know that there's limits, or if I'm hunting with somebody, I may want to go to a reliable spot. You know, I know Vermont, for instance, where Vermont's two hours from where I sit here in southern Maine, just over 100 miles. But I'll drive deeper into the state, and some of my best hunts have involved going to an area that I've found on a map whether it's Google Maps or an old paper map, and, you know, looking at the terrain and looking at, you know, does it border fields or dairy farms or whatever, and is it open to public use? Is it, a, you know, wildlife management area or whatever? And then going there cold, and I've had some really good hunts and some hunts that didn't produce, just trying out a new spot that way. Yeah. And, of course, in the fall, we have the advantage, too, if, if we're turkey doggers, as I am, we're putting our canine hunting buds into areas where we have found sign or where we think there might be turkeys. So they also help out tremendously, you know. Yeah, I think that what you said is probably true. Most of us hunters are explorers. I think it's in our nature and yeah. we're not afraid yep. to go out and hunt an area that's cold just to, like you said, yep. piece it together and learn a little bit more. I'm always curious about what's around the next curve in the road. I've never been on that yeah. road. Yeah, and you can, not to knock them, but there are, um, there are some turkey hunters who just desperately need to fill that tag, and if they do it on opening day, uh, they might be, uh, even happier, but I, and I don't I don't knock that. I do enjoy the whole deal, including the killing of the bird and and uh, eating them. Mm-hmm. But it's also if you're fortunate to hunt a bunch of states as I am, uh, you want to get a little of everything, you know. And you you reach a point where you need the hunt as much as you do the kill. And again, I'm fortunate this fall to hunt. Right now, I'm hunting five states, and it could go to it might go to six or seven by the end of it. But to just keep doing it, you know, is the deal. And it's it's a continuum, really, the scouting and the hunting and the shooting and the eating and just enjoying everything about them. Yeah. You mentioned five states. Which yeah. five? Which five are you going Well, I'm to? fortunate. I am fortunate now here in the Northeast to, you know, we begin hunting here in Maine in, on October 1st. And the New Hampshire gun season for turkeys, which is a five-day deal, begins close today. Once firearm season open the 24th of October. I am then going down to New York State on the 27th, and then the PA fall turkey season opens October 31st, Halloween. So it's it's almost a perfect deal here, sitting where I am, where you have five states that open in succession. You know, successive opening days that you can you can hunt. You know, so that's that's unfortunate to do these days. Hunt those five states all through the northern tier from Maine to Pennsylvania. Yeah, and because we started out this whole process this afternoon with some technical difficulties, that your answer broke up a little bit. But I think what I heard on my end, and I don't know if it was your phone or my phone that cut out, but New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, New York, and PA? Yes, yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. Across the frontier. Yep. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. There and you'll be in the 
in the woods during one of the most beautiful times of the year to be there. That's yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. Next thing you know, the fall season's over, and you're sitting for the winter waiting on the spring to start. Well, yeah, and then you have, of course, opportunities around the country where places like Nebraska, uh, Virginia, for instance, they, they hold uh, winter seasons. There are a number of winter seasons that go well into January. The January in some cases. So there's there's a lot of opportunity out there that some people take advantage of and some on the other hand are thinking about spring, you know, but that, that late season can be um pretty good too, you know. Yeah. Late or early, depending on how you look at it, if you're willing to travel. Right. You know, it's funny, I was down to I think I told you I was down to the I was down in the Yucatan Peninsula last year hunting uh oscillated turkeys and it was i would liken it to be a late winter hunt even though the temperatures were in the 80s most days because the birds were still flocked up hadn't dispersed you know so there are opportunities like that where you can still travel so whether we'd call that a late winter hunt or a fall hunt or an early spring hunt i don't know but <laughs> the birds were still together down there yeah so well, that a hunt that i've got on my to-do list that i'll get to one day is, is the oscillated i just I kept thinking that there's going to be a little bit more development and yeah. build a call or calling those birds in. But they they are just absolutely gorgeous, and I would love to add one to my trophy yeah, area. Yeah, they are. And, yep. You know, enjoy the experience um, of hunting in the jungle like that. That'd be fun. Yeah, and they're they're 100% turkeys. Um, when I hunted them, I was just you know I've been mesmerized by them since I sort of first read about them in uh, a number of books. You know, when I was a kid, Dave Harbour was one of the first outdoor writers from the United States to go down there and hunt the oscillated turkey um, back in the 80s, I believe. But as far as the calling is concerned, you know, Lovett Williams had developed a number of different calls for oscillated turkeys. Some of the guys down there utilized electronic calls during the singing season, you know, when the uh, male oscillated starts singing, which some of the people I talked to down there when I was down there, it begins around March 20th or so down in the Yucatan, and those birds are singing in the jungle. Right, yeah. A lot of the electric calls are being used, but I highly recommend it. It's a trip of a lifetime. Uh, I enjoyed every minute of it, and the food is great. The people are great. Uh, that jungle setting is just tremendous. And, of course, a lot of that property abuts agricultural land, you know, so sorghum and, and corn and, and so forth. But this is not about oscillated turkey hunting, though we could do that sometime if you want. <laughs> I certainly yeah. have an hour or more in me on that subject. Yeah, you watch me. I'll take you down the rabbit hole and we'll start. Hey, going. please do, man. I, I, I'll talk to anybody who will listen about oscillated turkeys. A lot of them shut me off, assuming wrongly that the oscillated bird is not a turkey, which it is 100%. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have to trust the biologist on that one, having never yes, been around a live one, so I have nothing to go off of but that. But If you're like all. me, when you see them coming into the field, you'll get goosebumps. Oh, I bet. It's just hard to believe. They are a very cool bird. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Well, tell us the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and maybe the one or two main keys to success on that hunt. So this would be last fall? We're talking? Yeah, let's talk a fall turkey hunt. How about that? Yeah. Well, as you know, I do it a variety of different ways, um, employing a dog and, and not doing not doing that as well. I would say one that I want, and it sort of goes back to one of your questions about, you know, I believe 30-mile-an-hour wind on the last day. This was not the last day, but it was early in the fall turkey season in Maine last year. And I had located, I had found some sign, but I had not seen birds 
and it was a uh, windy, gusty, nor'easter, rainy, misty, foggy type of day. And you know how wind is just, uh, that's that's a turkey hunter's worst enemy. Right. And I was out there anyway, and the beauty of it is that no one else was hunting this particular farm. So I got there. I found nobody was there. I said, you know, this is going to be good. At least I'll be able to hunt myself and won't find anybody here. So I set up and um, poked around, found some sign and a cold call. And as we were talking earlier, I run a scratch box and a box call and a mouth diaphragm and pot and peg, just about anything to imitate a flock in the fall. So I was cold calling like this and I made contact. I heard turkeys coming and calling through the wind and a little break in the wind. So I got hard on them and kept calling, calling, calling. And sure enough, birds were coming through the woods toward me, behind me, and out they go. And it was raining. Those birds were calling like it was a barnyard. And so the biggest cat and shot. I think I lost you completely. You still there? You lost me. Yeah, I, I lost you for a bit. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm my yeah, best, I lost I'm you there for about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you had called. You made cold call, and you got turkeys to respond, and they came in, and that's where you started breaking up on. Oh, okay, yeah, it was, the weather was just, just horrible. You couldn't hear the turkeys, but I was calling through the winter. I thought I heard them through the wind. And uh, sure enough, here they come. And the closest bird came right into the call, and uh, he had about an inch and a half beard, which didn't he weighed about 12 pounds or so. And what I typically do is just, just gather that bird and save my second tag. But I couldn't resist the turkeys calling all over, so I called another bird, and it came right to the jake that i'd shot and i shot it so i doubled on that particular hunt oh cool and uh the beauty of that is that i had those other states well in my future now typically i'll shoot one and then hunt the rest of the season and and save that second tag but that's the one that comes to mind mostly because of the weather and the fact that i just make contact and call them in with all that all that weather going on yeah even be able to hear them and the wind like that is amazing yeah and you don't know whether you're imagining it or not yeah i'm always imagining it yeah. I hear them in July when I'm laying in bed when the alarm clock goes off. Yeah. yeah. I can make a turkey drum in my head when I'm out in the woods. That's nice. I can hear it anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the books that you have out because I think that'll help a lot of people who are wanting to learn about fall turkey hunting. You've got some turkey hunting books out there. Tell us where we can find them, and also let us know what you're working on currently. Yeah, two turkey books with my publisher, Stackpole Books, are available on Amazon. The one that you're referring to is the Fall and Winter Turkey Hunters Handbook, which is available both in paperback and by electronic delivery, as well as the Turkey Calls and Calling book that I also did with Stackpole, which is a primer on turkey calling and turkey calls. And I have any number of projects going right now. <laughs> which I am, I am superstitious to talk about. Um, but as you know, I am the editor at Realtree.com, the turkey hunting editor at Realtree.com. So you'll see a lot of work on fall turkey hunting there, as well as being the turkey calls columnist for turkey and a contributor there. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned to me in a previous conversation that you got an article coming, in a, coming up in the, the November, December turkey country. Yes, I've got several in the uh, current turkey country, September, October. I've got a, a column on the Jordan Yelper and a piece on a fall turkey hunt last year at Turkey Trot Acres in New York. 
And then the uh, November-December work involves the one feature. I've got three in that particular issue, one on scratch boxes, uh, one on Scott Bayshore, who's a custom call maker you may know of from Pennsylvania, and a piece on turkey dogs, which talks about the breeds and traits and desires that you want in a canine hunting companion. So that's the, that's the one that your listeners would want to read if they're interested in fall turkey dogging. Yeah, awesome. And today is National Dog Day, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. You on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Everyone's posting pictures of their furry friends. Yes, sir. That's neat. Well, good deal. Steve, that's all I've got for you today. I all right, really Andy. appreciate you taking time out of your day. you got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I appreciate you sharing some information with us about some scouting techniques and strategies for the fall, and I hope that a lot of the listeners out there will pick up on some of those and use that to their advantage this coming Yeah, season. it's always, always good talking to you, Andy. It's good talking to you, too, and let's chat again sometime soon. We didn't get hooked up at NWTF banquet. I felt like I kind of breezed in there and breezed out, but we need to try to make that a point this coming. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, let's, let's definitely do that. I was uh, disappointed I didn't run into you down there because I did all the quarters and people who were attending. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's made, definitely do that. Yeah, we made it for a day and a half, and I'm planning on coming for the whole time this, this coming year. Oh, so that's excellent. We'll that's excellent. That cool. Yeah. Good luck this season, and uh, I hope you slay a few, and I hope you come back with even more exciting stories, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Goodbye. Hey, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Again, I apologize for the quality of the audio. Yesterday was a rough day. I was without internet at my home or office for the better part of three quarters of the day and without internet it makes it really hard to record these calls and get quality audio. I was having to record on my cell phone and Steve was on his cell phone and between two cell phones you guys know what we get. We get audio that sounds just like what you heard. So as I mentioned the content is so good that I really felt like you guys would want to hear it. Enough about that. You know, I mentioned to you several weeks ago that I have lots of great show topics for upcoming shows. But with me saying that, I want you to know that if you have a topic or if there's someone you would like for me to interview on the show, then send me an email. I am always open to hearing your suggestions, and I get some great suggestions from you guys. So email me, andy at imturkeyhunting.com. If you've got a name and a phone number or an email address to go with it, that's even better. If you've got a show topic and you think you know of someone who would be a great person to interview for that show, give me all of that information. I would love to hear it, and I will do what I can to get them on the show. Because if it's someone you want to hear about, and it's a topic you want to hear about, the chances are you're not the only one. So let me hear from you. Also, don't forget to pick up your copy of my ebook, www.diymerriamsturkeyhunt.com, where I show you everything that you need to know to go and have a great hunt on public land for a Merriam's turkey. And it's a hunt that you will not regret going on. It's one you can take very inexpensively and you will have a heck of a good time. So go check out the site, pick up a copy of the book, and if you don't like it, send me an email and let me know, and I'll give you your money back. It's just that easy. Hey, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please share and forward it. Forward it on Facebook. Send out the link via email to all of your hunting buddies and your family. 
and send them on this way. We love having new listeners to the show. And don't forget to download and listen to the alligator story that will be out soon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.